0: My name is Saul Wordsworth, and this is the TTI Podcast. I'm Saul Wordsworth, Editor-at-Large of Traffic Technology International, the world's leading publication for traffic management, intelligent transportation systems, and tolling. Welcome to the Traffic Technology International podcast. Our main interview today is with Francesca Levy, Mobility Programme Director for Plexel UK, an innovation centre situated on the London 2012 Olympic site. Fran will talk about the e-scooter trial that's been taking place at the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park and is soon to hit Britain's roads. But first, it's time to discuss the latest traffic technology news with Tom Stone, editor of TTI, from his luxury home on England's south coast, albeit right next to a railway line.
1: Already missed gold before you clicked record. Oh, I know your game. You leave the bits in that you say you're going to cut out. I ne- I've never done that, Tom, except twice. And hold
0: on, we've only done one podcast.
1: I've changed my shirt. Again.
0: I see you've you've re switched.
1: Re switched because the shirt I was wearing for the uh, for the big meeting, big meeting, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a fake shirt. Was it? Yeah. What do you mean? Actually, I, gave my, I had a polo, uh, Ralph Lauren polo shirt that had a bit of a stain on it and I, I asked my mum. I, I couldn't get it out. I said, you know, so it's a mum thing, isn't it? Can you, do you think you might be able to get this stain out? And she did, but it rubbed off some of the blue lines on it, the stripy oh, okay. blue one. So she oh, felt really okay. bad and bought me another one, oh. uh, which is a fake one. <laughs> She got off off the internet, obviously not realizing it was fake, just think it was a bargain. But you can tell it's fake straight away because it's not cotton. It's made fibre, which is great in the short term when you need a shirt that doesn't need ironing. But in the long term on a hot day, it's not so great. Just realised this is this is perfect for
0: the podcast intro, Tom, since since we're rolling, rolling VT. Tom Stone, editor of TTI. Traffic Technology International, is there anything that's caught your eye in the last week or two uh, in traffic
1: news? Yeah, I think investment, infrastructure, Mm -hmm. investment, um, public money. Public money, I guess, is looking increasingly like public money is going to be quite important in the short term, possibly medium term, maybe even in the long term, in uh, recovery, from the covid lockdown and indeed um you know sustaining our transport services our public transport services and our wider infrastructure so this is in two places you know we've got the we've got the uk and the usa um two illustrations of this i think in the usa um there's long been you know a a cross-party agreement that uh, infrastructure needs investment and uh, the Trump administration talking about a trillion for infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's sort of like everyone agrees on it and uh, it's just waiting for that impetus to push it over the line. And perhaps now this is it and and, and this is what people are talking about.
0: Um, I'm surprised that Trump of all people hasn't been investing in infrastructure because he's all about major projects that you know employ working men and women
1: yeah he's, he's, he's uh, he talks a good talk doesn't he when it comes to that but uh, sometimes you know some of these projects that are expensive it comes down to the crunch point of actually finding the money and uh, <laughs> perhaps it's not so easy but um, you know this really this really could be it because not only is it needed in terms of like you know the crumbling infrastructure uh in the usa but also it will create jobs and and perhaps we're going to need a new type of infrastructure i mean bringing it back to the uk in the usa it's been you know i think the, a lot of the thinking is around roads and private travel but in the uk we had uh last week the uh, big bailout for transport for london yeah uh one point billion for them i think because um, numbers
0: are uh, so impacted, I believe that they were 90% down.
1: That's right. That's right. And, you know, if social distancing, I mean, well, we've seen photographs in the news of uh, social distancing definitely not happening on public transport. How, how do you feel about those, those images? You live in London, uh, Saul.
0: I do. Uh, Tom, I find them shocking, sad, but unsurprising.
1: Yeah, no, it is. It is quite shocking, but I guess it's sort of like a symptom of the fact that you know, TfL with staff furloughed and staff uh, uh, who are isolating, and you know, they they are actually struggling to get up to a full service. And the government has now encouraging people to get back to work if they can. So there's only so many trains to go around, as it were. Um, but but you know, is it is it going to be, uh, you know, can we get away with that sort of behaviour, or is it going to be, or is it going to be the fact that after a few weeks we get another spike and then go okay we're going to have to do this social distancing a bit better now and yeah. and i mean that there's a bit of a sort of argument going on um you know this week about oh tfl they their public their finances were in a mess anyway before the that's crisis true. um but but in, and in fact but you know the mayor of london said come hitting back and saying perhaps that's that's really because um, the current government was trying to make TfL sort of self-sustaining financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was their policy, and uh, a lot of people think that maybe public funding is essential for for public transport, and um, perhaps it's going to be even more so when we when we we're trying to come out of the COVID crisis, because there will actually be fewer people allowed on public transport. So to to make ends meet is going to be virtually impossible not just in London, but anywhere in the world, if this social distancing is to be properly adhered to. I'm
0: not quite sure how it's being policed, certainly in London. What I will tell you is, anecdotally, uh, loosely, where I live in the North London area, uh, there are as many cars on the road waking me up early in the morning as there ever were. Of course, people are being requested to, to drive Rather than taking public transport, which which goes against some of our environmental impetuses um, and desires,
1: yeah, it's 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 really hard, isn't it? Because there has been a lot of optimism uh, about the the lower traffic levels and you know the, the uh, um, people walking and cycling and, and, and all the rest of it, you know, uh, um, but practically. Is that going to be possible? It's probably not, mm. I think, going to be the quick fix we'd all like. We're all suddenly going to jump on our bikes and, uh, and start walking everywhere, right. or, or even on our e-scooters. Um, well, nice, nice
0: time. By the way, I don't suppose you're going to cycle into the office in a hurry, are you?
1: No, no. Well, 70
0: we... miles of your journey.
1: It's about 70 miles. So, yeah, it's completely out of the question for me to get into the office uh, when, we, when we do actually return um um by any other means really there's no there's not even a a decent train service so um it's 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 car or nothing nevertheless you know it's shown us what we can do and while it might not be immediate we might not go straight from lockdown into some sort of like cycling utopia Mm -hmm. um, it's shown us it's possible and it's a glimpse of a new world and a tantalizing glimpse that perhaps will change people's thinking and you know more people will work from home mm-hmm. there will be you know perhaps that will create less pressure on uh, on transport systems and 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 we can get to a place where you know we'll uh, we'll have a a more multimodal transport system and it's giving a real boost to mobility as a service mm-hmm. um and uh micro mobility um um <laughs> higher you're doing higher it again I'm you're doing it again, you're linking in
0: I'm linking so in viciously and no one's noticed with our main interview today, which is uh extremely adept of you, Tom.
1: Yes. Well it all ties in, doesn't it? I mean that what Fran says in the interview um is really interesting and you know I think really valuable and and, and the UK is in an interesting place in that these e-scooters that she's been involved with a trial of um are not uh, not strictly speaking legal because of sort of uh some historic laws about such things in this country about killing uh, people when they don't want to be killed well on the pavement i think i think you'll find Saul that most of the uh, research is showing that e-scooters are most of the research is showing that e-scooters are um um, um actually safer than bicycles
0: yeah i do i do know um, that i'm just playing um, uh, advocate
1: yes yes but you know and that's that's a it's a great illustration though of okay we might not we might not be jumping straight into some sort of transport utopia but this well, this uh, crisis will give a boost and, uh, and it and will speed these things up you know um a few months ago we might have thought well we'll be lucky if we get you know any more e-scooter pilots in London this year and yep. now um, we may get many more and we may not be that long before you know private e-scooter use is allowed as well and we can learn lessons from other countries where uh, mistakes have been made with e-scooters
0: two questions for you firstly has anyone ever written a song called devil's advocate so that if you ask me what I'm doing I would be I would say I'm playing devil's advocate <laughs> playing devil's yeah. advocate what are you doing? Oh, I'm just playing Devil's Advocate. Um, secondly, and I mean this in the nicest possible way. Uh,
1: there's a song called Devil's Advocate. I've got Spotify here. There's a song hmm. called Devil's Advocate uh, by uh, a band called Grandma's House.
0: Oh, yeah, I've got their greatest hits, volume yeah, there's
1: six. Also, uh, there's also a song called Devil's Advocate by Voices from the Fuselage. Oh, is that, is that a segment from one of our other titles? Could be. Um, <laughs> Aerospace. Um, and also, uh, Devil's Advocate, without an apostrophe, recorded by the last river-bottomed fig plucker.
0: What You've a...
1: careful with that one.
0: What? Without a, an apostrophe. That must hurt you as a stickler for precision and grammar.
1: grammatical precision.
0: On that bombshell, Tom <laughs> Stone. Thank you for being a guest on your own podcast. (laughs)
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
0: Now it's time for the main event. So sit back, relax and settle into Tom's interview with Francesca Levy, Mobility Programme Director of Plexel regarding the UK's micromobility scooter trial.
1: Welcome to the Traffic Technology International podcast.
2: Thank you, thank you very ladies. much.
1: Thank you, uh, thank you, for joining us. And um, uh, we have uh, spoken before um, about uh, the work you're doing at Plexel and um, and some of the uh, some of the stuff going on there, particularly the micro mobility. Uh, the UK a little bit unusual in the um, the e-scooters. and and such like micro mobility solutions are not strictly speaking legal on on public highways um and on on uh, on sidewalks pavements um uh, which is why this trial happened in a in a a contained area on the olympic park that's right isn't it
2: yeah absolutely you know it's such an interesting time isn't it where having running a trial on a you know on the e-scooter mobility um activities and then for covid to come into play and and uh, everything really kind of stopping, I guess, for a period. But then very exciting, obviously, to have the Transport Minister then announce that actually things like micromobility and clean energy solutions, I think, and sort of personal and active travel are gonna kind of really be at the forefront of recovery from this virus, particularly when it it comes to sort of returning to work. So um, it's, it's, you know, actually, it's it's kind of something that we've been working on, I suppose, and been pushing quite heavily for, goodness, you know, 18 months or so, and what was a really slow process, um, in fact, what's the date today, 15th, so it's the 22nd of May was the deadline to submit back into government sort of a response on their their, uh, their request for, for sort of information, particularly relating to, to the various um, new mobility trials. Um, you know, it's taken an awful long time and, and now all of a sudden we've seen, you know, unprecedented movement from government, um, you know, in, in light, I guess, of this pandemic to, to sort of shift how people start moving around, and how we sort of regain normality um, post post COVID, and, and trying to encourage people to return back to work in a safe environment. So it's an incredibly exciting time. And as you know, obviously we've been trialing. Um, we've got a, a, a trial ongoing at the minute um, with Bird, which well it concluded in March. Um, and I think what we've been able to collect really from that trial is a really clear understanding of things like. Um, Average length of journeys, the, the sort of route that people are taking, um, the number of rides, sort of peak, you know, peak times um, and, and the number of rides across a, a given day or, or a given month. Um, also numbers of incidents. What's the cause of those incidents? So I think some of that data, I guess, is going to be particularly useful for um, some of those local authorities that are going to be looking now at how they deploy um, mobility
1: and, and sort of e-scooters in their own borough. We've sort of like started thinking about micro mobility, and maybe at the beginning of lockdown, you know, we were thinking, oh, shared mobility. Is that do we really want to share things? We're going to be touching things that someone else has used, and you know, that 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 felt like you know, maybe that was a problem. But now, of course, as we start to, to come out of the lockdown and certainly think about coming out of the lockdown, we we see that in fact. Micromobility is going to be really, really key to getting people around because public transport is going to be operating at reduced capacity. Um, the roads can only take so many cars. Um, so we need new ways of getting around and, you know, far from being, oh, we don't want to touch the scooter, we want to jump on the scooter and we want to, we want to use it to get around because it's uh, it's one of the ways that, that we will be able to get around that will work, hopefully. So and I know there's been you know announcements about expanding cycle lanes and walkways around London all the rest of it um have we got any sense yet where micromobility is going to fit into that and, and whether we're going to get is there going to be some legislation rushed through parliament to, to make these uh, the, the the e-scooters legal have you got any sense of that yet
2: Yeah, so we've, I mean, we've been in conversation with all of the um, sort of micro mobility providers that we work with. We've also been in conversation with um, particularly, I guess, some of the local um, boroughs that are on, you know, sort of, I guess, close to um, the Olympic Park and and LLDC. And what um, we understood from government is that as long as the borough is, is sort of is willing to, to trial it and, and is encouraging the trial um, and is sort of happy with some of the um, sort of insurance or the legal requirements and, and sort of the operational parameters that these um, that these micro mobility will have to exist in um, then, then sort of they're, they're free to do so and I think what we're really promoting and encouraging is Um, for those local boroughs not just as I say close to the QEOP but across London to to talk to us and to work with us because I think what whilst micro mobility is going to be a fantastic solution to getting people um, safely around and and sort of you know starting to rebuild the economy get people back to work safely and what we what we want to make sure is the learnings that we have gone through you know working closely with BIRD and with LLDC and, and the sort of wider here is campus that actually those learnings you know you've asked obviously about the data collected earlier you know that they're put to use there was a huge amount that we have gone through particularly around um how you deploy them safely how you um ensure that there is sort of robust processes around them to you know for for times when you know there might be peak levels of activity or there might be um roadworks going on or something's happened which means that you need to quickly change either the route or the method or the um or the sort of parameters, I guess, in which mobility exists. So we're sort of really encouraging, as I say, and are reaching out to a number of the um, local boroughs then to encourage them to sort of work with us and, and let us help them, you know, if this is something that they want to want to look to deploy. We have, we have in the last eight weeks experienced um, record levels of reduced co2 emissions in in london in particular and um, i think people are really starting to feel the benefits of a much more carbon conscious just just out of you know not through choice but out of circumstance um a sort of a you know a reduced carbon um environment and it's it's quite nerve-wracking to think that actually in people's worry of returning to work via public transport that actually what we will therefore see is just a huge spike of, of car usage and, and as you pointed out that won't be shared car usage that will be the you know going back to the sort of statistics of you know 1.6 person per per car journey um, and we will therefore totally unpick all of the um all of the work that's happened and all of the benefits that we've experienced as a result of the reduction in co2 so so yeah for us particularly i think we, you know we really see that um, the government's work around um, investment in cycle lanes and encouraging active travel whether that's walking or, or cycling or running and um, and then support that actually things like mobility could provide as, as really being an enabler um, to ensuring that we do not um you know totally disregard i think that the environmental benefits that we've all felt
1: over the last eight weeks completely completely agree i mean and you know and obviously micromobility is a perfect fit you know to help to help with this <laughs>
2: To your point earlier around um, people being nervous, I guess, about sharing some of these um, e scooters. I mean, certainly what we've seen is an increase in um, personal ownership over the last couple of, of months um, as a result of COVID. So, you know, huge increase in people purchasing some of these devices for personal use. But actually, I think what's really encouraging is what we will start to see is um, those micro mobility providers will start to really consider how they can have a sort of robust procedure around the cleanliness and the hygiene of the devices. So, you know, we've already seen examples, I think, particularly in the US, where um, micro mobility providers are starting to retrofit devices with sort of self-cleaning or, or um, sanitised handlebars. Um, and I think what we'll start to see is a real kind of proliferation of those across um, some of the micro mobility and, and e-scooter devices as they look to, uh, to sort of to start to move into to London and, and to the individual boroughs which again is you know it's, it's really exciting it's, it's it's amazing to think how you know quickly um, SMEs in particular I think can, can respond to things like this you know it's it's um, it's, it's real innovation when you see a you know a problem presents itself and, and quickly managing to to react to that and to respond to that with with um, a solution is, is fantastic.
1: In terms of the private use I mean I don't know this isn't maybe strictly speaking your area but do you know so if uh has there been any change in the law if you buy one of these private scooters can you just jump on it and and, and zoom off down the road now or, or is, is, is are we going to have to wait for some sort of uh, legal nod for that
2: yeah no i don't i don't think there has been a you know a, a change in the law at all and i guess um what is quite interesting is is how do you define um the you know the announcements they say that government made around trials of these when it's a when you would see a sort of an organisation providing the the service versus um individual usage. So, you know I think it, there is a blurry line. Um, yeah. you know certainly where I live, um, which is you know is, is sort of um south southeast London. And um, on my road, I've seen a number of examples over the last couple of weeks of people whizzing up and down. Um. And again, I think, you know, what we're really trying to encourage is where we can get um, the service provided by a company who then start to think about the safety, you know, the safety um, issues around it. Certainly with private use, um, I've seen examples of people not wearing helmets and, um, you know, not kind of, I guess, following the, the sort of laws of the road. Whereas actually, if you've, got a, if you've got a service provider, you're much more able to sort of manage that and um, ensure that there are um, sort of policy and, and uh, methods in, in place, I suppose, in order to, to regulate and,
1: and make sure that it's deployed safely. I see. Yeah. So we're looking at. So what we we will see very soon is some pilots uh, around the uh, around around London. And uh, but they will. But, but private usage, we we probably officially have to wait for a little while longer but like you say it's a bit of a blurry line how do you know you can't necessarily easily identify whether a scooter is part of a pilot or a private a private vehicle as it were yes
2: exactly and as you know as you said it they are pilots this is not this is not sort of necessarily a a complete change in the law it's the ability for boroughs to to trial these um on a pilot basis should they wish to um
1: uh, over in america in fact uh um we had a very brief report of it on our website. Um, uh, someone had done a study into, um, into uh, safety, and in fact, using you know past data, and not, not that they had a lot of data on, uh, on um, e- you know, e-scooters and stuff, but what they were able to s- establish was that the, the electric scooters were in fact a little bit safer than bicycles. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I think, again, this is sort of interesting where um, you start to see, I think, the progression that e-scooters as a device have made over the last two years. Um, Certainly, I think some of the original um, sort of designs have have really sort of progressed from a safety point of view. And that's everything from where the battery is stored. So, you know, there's a, a, a real shift, I think, to um, batteries now being stored in, in the sort of the board that you would stand on. It gives you a lower centre of gravity because the weight obviously is closer to the ground. You know, things around the wheel dimensions, um, you know, because obviously potholes are sort of one of the biggest um, issues when you're, when you're riding a, a scooter. Um, so I think there's been lots of work over the last two years. And I think that's where, you know, particularly the trial in, in um in uh the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park um has really enabled those learnings. Um, in order to shape how these devices should be structured to ensure that their safety is at is at the absolute um, forefront. You know, things that we have in place around speed restrictions, the ability to geofence these devices as well, so that actually you, know, sh- you shouldn't be going on certain roads, um, you should be, you should be maintaining um, you know, certain speeds, you should be, um, you've got to obviously photograph the device to make sure that you've parked it in the correct place that it's not going to um, sort of cause any disruption so there's lots of things that you can put in place which you obviously can't do with a with a with a a bicycle Um, so yes I think you know as I say there's been just such a growth over the last couple of years in in the safety of these devices and and I think you know nearly all of the when well in fact all of the um, providers that we speak to you know safety is their absolute number one goal um, you know they want to ensure that they have got the safest device possible and, and, and want to put everything in place that needs to be in place in order to ensure that.
1: And stuff I mean I know this is something that we've been talking about across all different sectors because we have some magazines in the aviation uh, sector in our group, and for many years they've been using these antimicrobial surfaces on like you know in, in galleys and, and places like that to sort of you know, They've got a lot of people, they need hygiene and they've got a lot of people touching and they've also had, you know, they obviously have great filters in their air conditioning. Not a problem when you're outside. But yeah, these surfaces, you know, I mean, I can see them having huge applications across all sorts of types of shared, uh, shared mobility, shared vehicles and transports. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I
2: think the announcement came out yesterday, didn't it, that Uber are going to be starting to put plastic screens between themselves and, and the drivers and things like that. You know, everyone is, it, it will be those, I think, that respond quickest to this who are going to really um, benefit. And I think that's really exciting to see.
1: Absolutely. And uh, talking and responding quickly. So we do have some, some listeners in London. Uh, if there are people that want to contact you to find out uh, about what Plexor has learned um uh, how should they do that
2: so they can yeah i mean we absolutely would love them to so by all means um go on the Plexel website which is com, and um follow the link connect with us or contact us and uh, yeah sort of send your your email through and we'll uh, we'll respond you know we've got such a fantastic opportunity now to reimagine um how people are going to move around and, and um, what types of modes that they're going to use, but just really keen that what we don't revert to is, uh, is you know, just private use of, of vehicles where there's only one, one passenger in the car and undo all the work that we've managed to achieve over the last couple of weeks, particularly around um, carbon emission reduction and, and environmental improvements.
1: Absolutely, I think that's, that's, that's fantastic and I hope, I hope we manage to achieve it. Thank you very much.
2: No worries. Thanks ever so much, Tom. Speak
0: soon. Since this interview was recorded, the Department of Transport has issued guidelines on how e-scooters should be used during the forthcoming pilot scheme in Britain. The recommendations state that the machines will be allowed on public roads and in cycle lanes at a maximum speed of 12.5 miles an hour. This puts them on an approximate footing with bicycles. No training or helmets will be required for the trials, but they must not be ridden on pavements or walkways. Join me again soon for another episode of the TTI podcast. In the meantime, stay safe, stay indoors, and stay in touch with us on Twitter at Traffic Tech Mag, online at traffictechnologytoday.com, and of course via this podcast. That's it from me. Until next time. The TTI Podcast is a Mark Allen Group production. Please like and subscribe. If you are interested in appearing on the podcast, reach us via our website, traffictechnologytoday.com, or email traffic at markallengroup.com.